show where Ohio froze down. Ohio is on fire. Episode 190. We got an excellent show coming up for you on this podcast release. Wherever you're downloading your podcast, you'll hear it. On this episode, we have an interview with a local group. They're actually a local rendition of a global phenomenon, Pekka Kucha. It's known throughout the world. It's a really cool art form. There's a Dayton, Ohio version of the group, and I interviewed them today on this episode. Of course, the group is represented by Shana McConville, who is who loves all things Dayton and all things creative. And of course, she's joined by Jason Antonic, Kathy Kelly, and Mike Beerbauer, as they are part of the groups that puts these together every four months in Dayton, Ohio. It was quite a thoughtful interview as we find out what it means to make a good 20 by 20 Pekka Kucha presentation. We also learned what it means to make a bad one. So I learned a lot from this interview. But let's go ahead and get into it. I think it's now time for everyone's favorite segment. It's now time for O-M-V-P. That's O-H-M-V-P. It's a brand new list. And this is the third rendition of my list. The third entry into my list. And there's always either a story or a video or some explanation to explain why a person or this group of people or even an animate object, um, they are, they get in this award. And, of course, they have some to do with the state of Ohio, some link to it. They did something interesting. They got people's attention. So let's get into OHMVP. And this story is from CNN.com. It's actually um, a very interesting story. It's almost like if you remember the movie Home Alone with Macaulay Culkin, um, he did all those crazy traps and um, quirks to get those older adult kidnappers and burglars. This is something similar to that. It's happened in real life, almost. But an Ohio 8-year-old, he apparently he saved him and his sister from an attempted kidnapping. And this was written by Doug Chris at CNN. So let's go ahead and get this story. Uh, get, so you get the idea of what the story's all about. An 8-year-old... Ohio boy is being called a hero after he saved himself and his older sister from a kidnapping attempt. The terrifying incident happened Thursday in Middletown, about 30 miles northeast of Cincinnati. The boy, only identified by police as Chance, and his sister, identified as Skyler, were sitting in the back seat of their grandmother's car as she took a woman to a hospital emergency room. The grandmother, Nita Coburn, stepped out of the car to help the woman into the emergency room. About 10 seconds later, a man jumped into the driver's seat and drove off. The little boy opened the door to escape, and the little girl started to jump out also, but the man grabbed the hoodie of the little girl, not allowing her to leave. The Milltown Division of Police wrote on its Facebook page, as she tried to get away from her little brother, grabbed hold of her, and pulled her away from the kidnapper, and they both tumbled out of the vehicle as it was moving. The kids escaped from the vehicle, and their grandmother's desperate attempt to save them was captured on security video, which police shared in another Facebook post. In the video, the car is seen driving away from the emergency room entrance, just as the passenger's side door swings open. Coburn runs up to the car and tries to grab a hold of the driver's seat door of the vehicle while the children tumble out of the passenger's side. And of course, the video is available at CNN.com. You can read the rest of the article from there. That's amazing. Um, man. The, um, so the boy, he goes by the name Chance. So I guess we can call him Chance, the eight-year-old boy. 
who is of no relation to Chance the Rapper. This is a completely different Chance. And this this kid's a hero, because this guy was... Who knows what this guy was going to take them to? He was... He took, he took the car. This, he, he could have killed them. This is um, amazing. I mean, yeah, they could have been dead right now hadn't Chance had hadn't rescued his sister, had had a heads-up move to get out of the car. And, of course, they, they both, the, the two little kids, they both suffered some bumps and bruises because the, the car was moving, so they were checked out by um, hospital officials. But no serious injuries. They um, were fine. They were able to heal. And in more good news, the police officers, they found the kidnapper. He did not go very far. Um, the guy, his name was Dalver Singh, and he was charged with two counts of kidnapping and felonious assault and grand theft, the police said in a statement. So he is in jail, and with any like he's going to go to jail for a long time. We don't have to deal with this idiot ever again. Yeah, this is an all-around amazing story. And, of course, the last sentence in this story, I will share this. Middletown Police said it would be... It would honor the boy for his heroic actions. That hasn't happened yet. They're going to plan that sometime later this month. And that's amazing. Um, and of course, it's scary. for people that are parents that have little kids, that's their worst nightmare for their kids to be kidnapped. For every time that it does happen, a kid does go missing and bad things happen, which is very tragic. Every once in a while, it gets stopped in its tracks. And it happened here. Um, so I'm very happy. This makes me happy. Because, you know, I love I loved families and I love children. I really hate it when bad things happen to bad, to good. I hate it when bad things happen to good people. I'm kind of speechless because that's just cool. It's something you would, it is almost like a plot from Home Alone. So I'm going to go ahead and give this award for episode 190 of Ohio's on Fire. This OMVP is going to go to Chance, the eight-year-old boy. Um, not only are you a hero to your sister, you're a hero to your grandmother, and you're a hero to Cincinnati, Ohio, and its community. Chance, you're going to go a long way in life. You're going to do amazing things. This is just the beginning. But you've won something today. Whether you care about it or not, or if you ever know about it, for this episode, Chance, the 8-year-old boy, you are O, MVP, O-H, MVP. And you know what it means, so let's grab a round of applause. Yeah, OMVP. Great, yeah, that's a great story. My name is Max Fang, and I am a 23-year-old who is super into beer, which is really shocking, I know. <laughs> but what the hell is beer? <laughs> please, please hold all laughing until the end. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, what the hell is beer? Well, according to the Reinheitsgebot, or German purity law, beer is a combination of water, barley, hops, and yeast. Outside of the German purity law, you can use things such as uh, wheat, rye, corn, rice, etc. However, in a less tangible way, uh, beer is a lot of different things to a lot of different people, myself included. For example, to the pilgrims, um, beer was very important. So important, in fact, that when they were running low on beer, they decided to stop at Plymouth Rock to brew more. The rest is history. Um, it's comforting to know that our ancestors had their priorities straight, and it's very, uh, it brings a sense of pride to people like me. To George Washington. It was a way to drink water without getting sick. Uh, water in America at the time was very bad, and it frankly could kill you. Uh, so the yeast will convert the sugars in beer to alcohol, which preserves the beer. And it's kind of funny to think about drinking beer to not get sick. To some Belgian monks. 
Uh, beer is vitally important because they will brew these traditional styles, they will sell the bottles, and they will use the funds to support their abbey. However, they will also drink nothing but beer during Lent, which we are in right now, uh, for 40 days straight. Uh, fasting, yeah. Pretty, pretty intense. To Germans, beer is pretty much considered a meal, or at least, you know, a necessary accompaniment to a meal. In Bavaria, the typical serving glass is a whopping one liter. They even have an alcohol-free beer marketed towards children called Kinder Beer. <laughs> to fraternities, beer is an excuse to vomit on each other without anybody really getting all that mad. They may also have a similar diet as the, uh, as the Belgians do, which is nothing but beer for about 40 days, but it's not by choice. They might throw in a slice of pizza or something here and there. To homebrewers, I'm a little ahead of myself. To homebrewers, <laughs> beer is a creative outlet. It's like a person who is very passionate about cooking. They come up with uh, recipes and hone their skills and do all kinds of fun things. Uh, using a turkey fryer and a few glass carboys, you can make delicious beer five or ten gallons at a time. However, homebrewing is also kind of a pain in the butt. It's a headache. It's an emotional strain. And occasionally it's a huge mess. For example, on the left here, that's a fermentation that spilled all over the place, and it's still fermenting right now, but the one on the right is a bottle disaster that I had, and many bottles were sacrificed on that day, unfortunately. <laughs> Two Dayton brewer, brewers coming up, uh, such as Toxic Brewing Company, Vitruvian Brewing Company, and the Dayton Beer Company. Beer is a entrepreneurial investment. It is a risk-taking adventure, and frankly, I for one support their adventure. To beer bloggers, or in my case, vloggers, uh, beer is an excuse to try new beers while adding new content to your website. This photo was taken in Columbus at the Better Beer Authority, and they, like me, like to film themselves talking and drinking beer. <laughs> to hipsters, Here's a nice can of PBR with, uh, with maybe with a hand-rolled cigarette while they drink or while they read leather-bound books and listen to that rare B-side live vinyl from that band that you've never heard of. <laughs> to the people of more adventurous breweries, uh, beer could be a it could be a beer brewed with grapes infected with fungus or an ale made with bacon and the ingredients of maple donuts, or perhaps a beer that is brewed with oregano, garlic, and parsley, or even a 55% alcohol by volume beer that is served in squirrels from taxidermists. <laughs> Speaking of donuts, to Homer Simpson, beer is the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Homer's had a long history with the golden stuff, the fictional brand Duff being his beer of choice, and who doesn't love Homer Simpson? <laughs> to, to beer geeks, beer is something that goes above the light lagers and macro brews of the world, and I did, I must confess, I had a Miller Lite earlier. Uh, it's also a way to meet new people, try new things, and perhaps spend a little bit too much money. Uh, this is Michael Jackson, by the way. Not THE Michael Jackson, but a, another guy named Michael Jackson who is uh, big in the beer world. To beer snobs, beer is an excuse to feel better than everybody and look down on those who drink the cheap Miller Lights of the world. Um, which brings me to what I do, which is snobby beer. Why would I want to call myself snobby beer when these guys are, frankly, douchebags? 
the goal of snobby beer. Um, it was sort of a tongue-in-cheek nod to a these douchebags and b you know the casual beer drinker. It's sort of poking fun of the snobby people while still embracing it at the same time, uh, which sounds like I'm floating wave here and it's just beer. But <laughs> to me. Beer is an expensive hobby. For example, these beers cost me $30 a pop. <laughs> um, but in this hobby, in this expensive hobby, I've managed to meet awesome people, try really amazing and rare beers, and um, learn the process of creating good craft beer at home. Uh, it's also a way to end my day or enjoy you know, a beer after mowing the lawn like many other people do. However, my beer of choice might be a Russian Imperial style brewed with vanilla and cocoa nibs and aged in bourbon barrels. <laughs> and finally, uh, peanuts. Peanuts go great with beer, as we all know. But the real reason I have this on here is we're filming this and it's going on YouTube. And I would really appreciate it if uh, my last slide, everybody just went nuts. Welcome audience, we are here at the Froto Build Bar here in Dayton, Ohio. I'm with my guests for this episode. They are known as Pika Chukit Dayton, and they are, they're actually like a small unit representing a big national global group, and we're gonna learn all about them today. But hello guys, we got Katie and we got Jason. Yes. Yes, thank you for being on the show guys. Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. To be here. Now, um, let's, for those at home that don't know what Pikachu is all about, I did do my research on what it is. What it is, a person does a PowerPoint presentation. They do 20 slides. There's a picture on each slide, and they got 20 seconds to, to, to like tell a story about that slide. Of course, the whole presentation is like a theme. Um, so that's what Pikachu is all about. Like that's the um, Pikachu style, as they say. But um, I want you guys to tell us about the creator of this art form and what was their hope in making this format? Well, first of all, before we do that, I think we should just call it PK Dayton. PK Dayton, oh, yeah, I, be, I like because that. Because I say Pachacucha or Pachacucha. That's why, yeah. No one can pronounce it correctly, so we just call it PK Dayton. I imagine, because uh, I've had, because there's another, <laughs> I, 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 told other pe I told other people about this interview, they were like, is it Pikachu Dayton? They, right. they, thought, it was, they thought it was like named oh. after the um, TV show. Yeah, yeah. Pokemon game. We yes. do love Pokemon, but yeah. yeah. So the so name. Dayton. Yeah, yeah, and the name Pachakcha is chit chat in Japanese. Okay. And it was from a architecture firm, uh, Klein Dytham yeah. in Tokyo. So um, the architects Klein and Dytham are actually European, but their uh, offices are in Tokyo, Japan. Yes. And they devised this to kind of allow people a get around of death by PowerPoint, as they say. You know, we've all been in those meetings yeah. where someone's droning on and on for 30 and 40 minutes right. with really boring bulleted points. Yes, and the really long meetings. Exactly, the PK format forces people to get their ideas across in a succinct and creative way. Exactly. Absolutely. So I guess it's to make things faster because um, I'm thinking um, Tokyo. What I know about Tokyo culture because I enjoy like um, stuff they do over like there's I'm into the pro wrestling scene over there and music. And I noticed they're very efficient. So I think that's a Tokyo culture thing. They want things to be as efficient as possible. 
So I'm thinking that's why they wanted a fast thing. I imagine they felt that way too. They go to these meetings and they're really, really long. Like, what can we do? Can we get the message across in a much quick, quicker fashion? So I imagine that was their, their, their willingness to be efficient. I think it was what caused them to create this um, PK format. So I, I would agree with that. That does make sense. But now this format, it uses PowerPoint slides. And of course, this was officially founded in 2003. It was earlier this millennium. Um, now, me personally, I can recall an older type of art form where people, they would um, use photo slides and, or they would use paintings, anything, or any handmade art, and um, they use them as visual aids, and people would go up and share their story, and the visual aid would match what their story was. That's been going on since early 1900s. Now, um, what I want to know is what does, what makes PK? stand out from those other art forms? What stands out to you? <laughs> well, I mean, I think PKs are successful um, because um, just the format, the, the way it's set up, you know, they're, they're six minutes and 40 seconds. Yes. There's, there's 20 slides and they move automatically every 20 seconds. Yes. And so oh. what's so good about it is, is if you really like it, enjoy it and pay attention because it's almost over. And if it's a, a downer kind of presentation, you're not yes. too happy with it, relax. It's almost over. It's like a ticking time bomb. So I can see the appeal there. <laughs> yeah. Because it's got to be over with. Right. All right. Well, all right. That, that's a good answer there. Um, now, um, of course, this format was rooted in Tokyo, Japan. Um, as it got popular over in Tokyo, it has now expanded to gatherings all over the world, including right here in Dayton, Ohio. Now, this wasn't made in Tokyo, this PK format, or Pekakucha, I'm going to try to say that correctly. Um, do you think some other city or some other place in the world could have came up with this format, or do you think it was just Tokyo that could have came up with this? I mean, I'll jump in on this one right off the bat. I was thinking about that. There's hardly anything that's unique anymore. Yeah. Everything is built upon something else. Um, conductors uh, take music from other well-known people yeah. and they, they're borrowing. So I think that, yeah, more, off, more, more likely than not, some other city or country or some other place in the world would have taken something and... and built yeah. it into what PK is today. I mean, that's how I see it. What do you think, Katie? Yeah, I think the format itself, people that present at our PK nights yes. get to be creative with the format. So yeah. some people just talk for six minutes and 40 seconds as yeah. their slides go in the background. And it's almost just like there's telling a story yeah. whereas some people are really reliant on the pictures yeah. and they're telling a different 20 second quick story every single slide yes. so it just depends on how people want to present and um, I think that that's really unique and uh, we're really grateful for the architects for sharing this format with the rest of the world yes that's amazing it's cool that they did allow the rest of the world to share that format um, now, how did you two get involved with PK Dayton? Well, I moved to Dayton in 2010 for a job, and PK Dayton was one of the first community events that I attended. Um, okay. I lived in South Park, and all of my neighbors said, oh, you have to go to PK. It is a really great place to meet people um, and learn more about people that live in Dayton and our community. 
So that's how I first heard of it. Yeah. And then I became involved um, a couple years ago when the original team, uh, Matt Sauer and Jill Davis, were ready to step back and let a new team come through. So yeah. I joined that way. And then Jason joined shortly after that. Yeah, um, but I, like Katie, got exposed to PK uh, somewhere in the last seven to yeah. five years, somewhere in there, when it was seemingly um, uh, almost like, I'd say, a little grungier. Not that, grungier. not that we're not grungy sometimes now. What I mean by that is, is sometimes we'd have an abandoned warehouse yeah with a porta potty on the inside and there's no heat <laughs> yeah and there's electricity that's corded in i mean it was grungy now the spots aren't quite as rough as grungy um those grungy places are still very unique and yeah. exciting because people don't normally congregate in a spot like that and so yeah. you have, if you have the opportunity to come together with the pk format it's exciting and interesting. So we're still looking for things that are edgy or one-off or unusual, one-of-a-kind. Yeah. There haven't been a number of events there. We don't definitely want to be a part of those. Yeah, that sometimes the venue itself is a draw. We saw that when we hosted at the Steam Plant in January of last year. It was one of the first events that the Steam Plant hosted yeah. after their grand renovation. It's a beautiful place, and we had to close the doors because we were at max capacity. Yeah. So, but... You know, PK Dayton has been around since 2009, yeah. and yes. it started with like a group of 30 people yeah. or something at their first now event. Now you mentioned Steam Plant. Are you talking about Brightside, or are you talking about some other location? Next to Brightside. It's close to Brightside. Brightside's on Third Street. All right, because they too, yeah, yeah, that whole area was messed up for a while. Then someone bought that building, made Brightside. I know, I know about the Steam Plant mm -hmm. one, so that's good to know. Yeah, we yeah they, they really cleaned up over there. Yeah, and downtown Dayton. We, we think is where it's at. So yeah. we, like, we like to have host events downtown. Um, we think it's a great gathering place for people. Yes, I definitely want to check some events out at some point. Now, how do you guys get your money and resources to do these PK dating events? Well, we're really lucky. We have five sponsors. Um, they are locally owned companies here in the area. Okay. Um, I can name them if you'd like me to. If you want to. Okay, sure. So our, <laughs> our mega sponsor is Catapult Creative. Oh, yeah. Um, we have Dragonfly Editorial. Cooperative Business Solutions is our latest and mm -hmm. greatest new sponsor. <laughs> okay. um, Jason works for them. <laughs> so yeah. I'm saying yeah. that. Uh, Oregon Printing Communications, which is a downtown company. And then... Um, Coulter. Yeah, Michael, Michael Coulter, Coulter. Um, yeah. who's just a local supporter. And so we get some sponsorship money, but the biggest support that we get are from our attendees. So our okay. events are free. It's one of the last free events here in Dayton. Right. Yeah. But we do depend on donations to keep yeah, us going. Yeah, they want to donate, they can do that. Yeah, would you say that the attendee donations are what really warms our Right, <laughs> yeah, that, you know, this the sponsorship um, helps for, um, basic things that need to have securing the place and taking care of audio visual and, and other things yeah. of yeah. that nature yeah, yeah. Uh, but because people come and they donate to uh, PK Dayton at the events then we're able to have 
nice, extra nice little things like free beer, right. free, quality right. free beer. Right. <laughs> or uh, yeah. renting chairs, yes. event insurance. Of course. There's kind of these underlying costs too. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I was curious to know how you guys come up with the money for these events because I've seen pictures of some of your latest events. You guys do go to some nice locations. Of course, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, now, these, um, a lot of these people go up, they do PK presentations. In your opinion, what do you think is the, what, what do you think makes for an effective PK presentation? Being short and to the point. I mean, you have okay. 20 slides and they're 20 seconds each. So, okay. really thinking about what you want to say yeah. and distilling that down, and not saying too much. So, saying just a few sentences for each slide. Yeah. Having slides that are very visual, yeah. um, colorful, and, and good pictures, pretty much. Good pictures, basically. Yes. You don't want to have words on your slides because yes. not everyone can read that. Yeah. Um, those are the two big things for me. Okay. And I think content-wise, I like hearing from people who are super interesting and who can effectively describe why they're so passionate about something. Absolutely. So one of the recent presenters that we had, um, this was actually at the Boone Shaw two volumes ago, yeah. she talked about um, homesteading but in her apartment. So yes. how can you be more eco-friendly, reduce, reuse, recycle in a small space? Okay. And just all of the stuff that she researched and one thing led to another. Yeah. Uh, Namita Patel is this presenter's name. Yeah. And everybody was just so enthusiastic and wanted to hear more. And I'm just drawn to people who have interests that are intriguing and that they're really yes. passionate about. And that yeah. can really come through in a PK. Um, so, yeah. I want to elaborate. Like, um, I know some stories, they're more happy than others. And some are like emotional. There's probably some someone maybe had a death in their family or they went over sickness like is there how how would you like to feel like when you listen to a certain pk story do you want to feel sad do you want to feel happy does it matter how you feel is that does that go a long way in how the um the effectiveness, the effectiveness of this pk presentation comes off i would i would say that it does i mean because if you're appealing to someone's emotions yeah um in, in a happier negative manner yeah. You you're really getting connected with them, yes. and they're going to remember that. It's going to go a long way. Yeah, it's communication. Yeah, that's the that's the key right there. But I want to know from you guys, what would you consider a bad PK presentation? Like we talked about the good. What would, we, what would you consider something that was awful and missed the point completely? So one thing I love about PK is that we're there to celebrate creativity yeah. and community and things like that. And some presentations that I would imagine that would kind of fall flat would just be someone that's there to promote themselves yeah. or to say, look at this great thing that I did. Oh. Um, and thankfully we haven't had that, but you know, that's part of our speaker guidelines is we tell people that they're not there to promote, self-promote, sell anything. Yeah, sell we don't, or promote a business. Yeah, because that's not what the format for what PK, the international organization is about. So I would say, thankfully that's in our speaker guidelines. So we we kind of red flag people if we think they're out to self-promote, but. Yeah. Oh man. And then the other thing, <laughs> what, what comes to mind for me yeah. is, you've got 20 seconds. I keep coming back to this, 20 seconds. And, and if you're not paying attention, yeah, people will, over your will time. just kind of go down a rabbit hole of thought on a slide. 
Yeah. And they're 25 seconds into that thought. Yeah. Well, at 20 seconds, the next slide has come up. So they're off balance. And they're off balance yeah. by five seconds. And then they look and they say, okay, well, on this one, and then they do the same thing, and it just gets worse and worse. And then they yeah. feel a bit overwhelmed. So. But sometimes the audience, like, thinks that that's really amusing. So they'll start <laughs> laughing yeah. and, and then the presenter gets flustered. But what's great is the audience at PK, these are not rehearsed. We don't make people rehearse it with us. Oh, yeah. So it's a really encouraging audience. So sometimes that, you know, the not timeliness of it all kind of adds to the humor of yeah. it. But sometimes it can really sink the topic. But a lot of times, the presenters have timed it perfectly and like there are some really comedic yes. timing that can happen at a PK. Absolutely. And I'm thinking <laughs> it's true. I think it would and that scenario you mentioned about someone goes way over their time per slide and they're off balance. I could feel bad for that person. I thought that person was a good person. If it was like um, you can just tell without per you can, you can just tell the personality on some people just by looking at them and how they talk. Um, like if it was a good person, I would feel bad. All oh, she's screwing up, I feel bad for. If it was some raging jerk, I can imagine. <laughs> hey, maybe we can throw a tomato at this person. You're over your time, boo. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I maybe, think one of these days, like the next level PK. Maybe that's like PK yeah. XL, right? right? <laughs> where where people are encouraged to bring rotten fruit. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you, you invite jerks to do your um presentations like get people out of jail hey do a pk presentation and tell us why you're in jail and then do yeah some some extreme maybe maybe one day maybe i don't know let's hope not that's hope not yeah yeah you guys are peaceful i don't yeah i'm, I'm just i'm just joshing but um all right um now um i know understanding what pk is supposed to be it, it does encourage free speech and that's fine and dandy, of course, nowadays we live in a time where that can be kind of tricky. Some people's free speech could lead to hatred and divisive thoughts. So what I don't know is that how about with presentations where presenters personal thoughts, they might offend an audience member, like political or religious or any other thing. Like, how do you guys handle that? Have you guys ever had to deal with something like that? So yeah, I, several times. Okay. And I mentioned in our guidelines, you know, that speak, uh, prospective speakers yeah. are asked to review. We do straight out say no politics, no religion, That's no marketing. Fair. Yeah. Okay. And although we don't have people rehearse in front of us, we do get their slides in advance. Okay. So um, if someone were to have a slide that looks like it might be politically or religiously motivated or, or hate, hate motivated. You'll, you'll do hate groups either. We, no. Absolutely. We, All right, that's good. We would, we have the right to tell someone that they can either revise their presentation yeah. and talk to us about this issue. Yeah. Or we also have the right to just remove them from the lineup. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea too. Um, now I'm at the website. Um, it makes a very bold statement that um, PK is real social media. Uh, of course, um, it kind of, um, and of course, it said something about um, internet social media. You can't really, you're not really looking at each other. You can only get so much out of texting, but it's not the real experience is by looking at someone. So, um, of course, we live in the social media area. That's what I was trying to get because everyone's on Twitter and Facebook here in 2019. Do you think there's going to come a time, perhaps 10 or 20 years from now, where social media is not as popular as it is now, and that perhaps an art form like PK will outlast, be more popular than, say, internet social media. 
What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think that could happen. I mean, I'm getting closer closer to not having Instagram or Facebook. It's oh, okay. uh, me personally, but yeah, it's just a different kind of thing. Um, it it is. It's social. Yeah, there's four or five hundred people that come together, and yeah. it's a presentation, yeah. and so it's uh, audio video. Yeah, and with amongst a group of people. So I mean, yeah, that's perfect social media. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Facebook social media is like you said, you're not really in front of people, right? Yeah, it's, you, it's you, all, get, you get so much out of it. Yeah, it's it's different. So yeah, I think PK will outlast it because yeah. There's always something exciting to talk about. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't you want to learn about that yeah. in a short span of time? One of my most favorite PKs, we had a woman talk about ballet. Yeah. And then we had another woman come up and talk about sex and sexuality. Yes. And then a person talked about raising bearded dragons, yeah. the lizards. <laughs> and uh, another guy spoke about his uh, taking his college students to Ferguson, Missouri, at the height of everything that was going on there. Yeah. Those are four really interesting things, all encapsulated in one event. It was very exciting. So I yes. think our, our PKs continue to grow, and they're like that each time. Yes. Some are more memorable than others, but generally speaking, each one you walk away thinking, geez, that was really awesome. Yes, because it's real. Yeah, you can touch people and hug them and say, hey, good job and all that good stuff. We encourage, it's real. We encourage hugs at PK. Yes, <laughs> hugs. All right. Well, that's good news. Um, now, you guys have an event on April 25th. Tell us more about the event coming on April 25th. The yeah. roasting. Sure. So this is uh, volume 39. Okay. Uh, we're actually in our 10th year here in yeah. June. It was founded in 2009. So um, we're excited. It's going to be at Grace Church. Okay. Doors open at 7 p.m. That's it. It's 1001 East Harvard, I think is the address, her Harvard Boulevard. Um, right. And then PKs will start at 7.30. Yes. Free admission. This, uh, not all volumes, but most volumes we have free beer. This one is a free beer volume. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, for those that don't drink beer, is there an alternative to Absolutely. That? Um, we have wine. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. I, yeah, we also have soda and water and things right. like that. <laughs> All right, good, good. Now, you guys talked about the April 25th event. Is there going to be, um, do, you already, do you already have a plan in place for the next event after that? Well, or is that still in the work in progress? Our next event will be volume 40, volume which is going to be a big one. Yeah. Um, we are still looking at different venue options. Yeah. Um, and we're also working on our speaker lineup. So our initial idea right now is we're going to invite people that have presented over the past 40 PKs to come back. Like an all-star version. Exactly. Yes. What do you think about that? You guys should go to do um, Fifth Fifth Field and do that one. After the, after the baseball game, hey, it's the special 40th volume of PK Dayton. Make it really big. Right. That is or a dream some- of mine to end up at Fifth Third Field. We're yeah. worried about weather, though. You know, yeah. a lot of the outdoor <laughs> venues have, like, high costs associated with right. it and we just don't want to gamble i know that's know? a problem that's i know <laughs> that is a problem right now but i've talked to other people because really into technology they say that yeah. we're 10 years away from come away for technology to outlast bad weather uh, i mean they were they come up with stuff all the time like i i mean so it's i don't think it's right now it's still an issue like if you have your computer and um powerpoints out and it's raining yeah it's going to get destroyed 
but they're working for a way for not for that to not be a problem anymore. Yeah. So I think we're about a decade away from that that not being a problem. Maybe, Maybe. volume eighty. Vol, vol, Maybe. Volume eighty. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Go for it. Um, I got one last question for you guys. Um, how can individuals who wish to be involved with PKD, perhaps they want to do a future presentation, how can they contact you guys and how can they get involved? Well, our email address is pkdayton at gmail.com. Yes. You can also just Google PK Dayton. We're on all Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. But I think the best thing to do is to attend an event, yeah. check it out, and then we've started this thing where we have these purple sheets of paper right. where people can fill out their name and their topic idea, and then we follow up with them via email. So and you confirm if that's you would accept that type of presentation at the event. So you do got to proofread these and or, or not proofread but make sure it follows your guidelines right so when someone uh, proposes a topic we have about five follow-up questions that we ask them yes. and that helps them further explain what they're going to talk about and yeah that's where we can kind of see if they would fall within our guidelines and what we're interested yeah. in featuring awesome yeah All right um, is there anything else you guys like to add before we end this session today well, I wanted to give a quick shout out. So we're, shout out, we're two of four people of our team. Right, we're missing the other two badly. Yeah, yeah. Shana McConville and Mike Bierbauer are our other teammates. Hello. 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 <laughs> Mike's we in Mexico you. right now. Poor guy on vacation. Oh. On vacation. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really have his priorities straight. Yeah, so, no. but yeah. Anything else you want to add? No, that's yeah. it. Come, world to, peace. come to the PK. Don't you want out. world yeah. peace? Yes. Yes, we want world peace here. World peace. All yes. right. Well, I will definitely try to catch a future show. And if I like it, I mean, because I've done a lot of PowerPoints in my day. Maybe one day I myself, I do a PK Dane event. But I got to I gotta build myself up to it. But I will definitely, you're on my bucket list. And see cool. Yeah, I think doing a PK or attending a PK is a definite Dayton bucket list item. So I, add us to your list. All right. Well, good luck to your next event. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. <laughs> Have a good day. You too. What's your definition of success? Graduating and without all that college debt. Hiring someone out of college with the right skill set. Taking my passion and turning it into a career. Your success starts here. Owens Community College. One in 10 Americans rents self-storage space. There's over 2 billion square feet of storage space in the United States. That's seven square feet of storage space for every man, woman, and child. The entire population of the United States can stand under the collective roof of the storage industry. It's a $27 billion a year industry. It's been the fastest growing commercial real estate sector for 35 years. It's been around for 35 years. There's more McDonald's, CVS, and Starbucks and Shells, or there's more storage companies than those. So how did it all start? In the 70s, our homes were small and we didn't keep much stuff. Somewhere along the way, we became great consumers. We increasingly filled our homes with new stuff that replaced old stuff that still worked and since we didn't have room in our small homes, we rented storage units and the industry was born. 
So why do people keep all the stuff and store it? One is the fear of future remorse. Now that we have this new table and chairs, we have to keep this old table and chairs because 18 months from now, our neighbor's nephew is going to need a table and chair, and we're not going to have it. And then there's the emotional attachment and the fear of forgetting a memory. We're emotional animals. It's hard to throw out grandma's dishes in her hutch and grandpa's 15-year National Geographic collection and his Encyclopedia Britannicus. <laughs> then we have the lackadaisical. My storage unit is on automatic credit card payment. I've already been charged for this month. I'll empty it out next month. It's just like a gym membership. <laughs> Storage companies depend and appreciate your laziness. And then my favorite, it's the, it's the sunk cost fallacy, and that's throwing good money after bad. You just bought a 60-inch TV. You store your 50-inch TV, which still works. Now, every month, you're adding a cost to a TV that you bought five years ago. So self-storage managers, they work for me. What do they talk about? Well, they talk about the customers, the one that comes in every month. They've had a unit for 20 years. They don't even know what's in their unit anymore. They just come in to talk to the manager every month. It's therapy. They come in, they talk about their lives. Also, very common, managers will tell you about people they find living in a 10 by 10 storage unit. Homeless people rent storage for obvious reasons, shelter also to keep their most precious belongings safe while preserving what they can of their normal life. And then we have cheating spouses. It's the love shack, baby. It's the little old place where we can get together. They hug and they kiss. It's hot as a storage unit. Yes, yes, it's happened. Bang, bang, your storage unit is busted. And then we have hoarders. They're easy to spot. Their cars they drive up in are just full. It's common in the industry. This customer has a monthly rent. Could be over $1,000 a month. Storage managers are very sympathetic people. They help them out. And we got to talk about auctions. Someone already down on their luck stores everything they own only to lose it a few months later. Storage companies often get the last dollar a customer has before they lose it all. Auctions. Just like the TV show. Same cast of characters. They run all over town buying up storage units. Since this show hit the prime time, a lot more people show up at storage auctions to find the gold in them their units. Lots of people show up, but most fall into two types of buyers. This guy, his wife won't let him go to the casinos anymore, so he's trying his hand at storage auctions. He lacks resources, and he bids on emotion, which is expensive. For him, it's the thrill of the slot machine, and just like real slots, storage auctions rarely pay off. Then you got these guys. They're the professionals, and they're in it for the long term. They know how to bid. They know what to bid on. They've got cash. They've got a box truck, manpower to quickly load it out, and most importantly, a store to sell it in. During the recession, we had a lot of 
units going up for auction. I told my manager, call everybody, tell them just come get their stuff. I couldn't do it. My manager says, Rob, that'll never work. And I said, why? She's like, I've been trying to get a hold of these people for weeks. Their phones are disconnected. The mail's undelivered. And even if they could come and get their stuff, they don't have any place to take it. So if you got a bunch of stuff, what are you going to do? Well, there's, you won't believe what people will do to come and drag stuff out of your house or out of your storage unit. Let the stuff go. Get over it. The stuff will be gone, and you'll be able to park your car in the garage in the winter. And then this is one of my favorites. Move into a smaller home. Our average size home has grown 1,000 square feet in 35 years. In self-storage terms, that's a 30 by 30, and it rents for $1,000 a month. <laughs> Nothing says reduce and de-own like a move into a smaller house. So if you do want to keep all your stuff, you can try overhead storage. You can try containers. But remember... Organizing is just, uh, oh, I lost my card. Oh, yeah. Decluttering is nothing more than organized hoarding. <laughs> so, de-own. De-own. Go through the five stages of grief. It gets easier. You'll get faster. You'll start looking for things to get rid of, and you'll feel happier and less stress. Lighten up. Live easy with less stuff. This September, they will do Volume 40. And it's going to be an all-star rendition, which they mentioned that in the interview. But all the their favorites from the past, they're giving them together for a special all-star edition. I think this is the first time they've ever done an all-star edition of P.K. Dayton. Because I'm going to try to be there. I'm excited for them. And I'm excited for the whole art form of Pekka Kucha. Yeah. And of course, I also aired some samples of these P.K. presentations. The first one I played was What the Hell is Beer by Max Spang. And then afterwards, I played Stories from Self Storage Files by Rob Dingenhardt. So I played samples of those. If you want to hear the entire presentation, and you can actually see the PowerPoint slides that were used, you got to go to pekakucha.com and you'll, do, you'll find everyone that was ever made, not only in Dayton, but of a lot of the um, cities that host the Pikachuka group throughout the world you can go there and find out what they do it's amazing and on average these things are at least six minutes up to seven minutes six to seven minutes it's now time for the last of ohio in this month of may i'm doing a really good deed uh, it's time i've did a good deed and give back to my community a group that i've always liked for years it's a group known as xenia area fish food throughout the years they've helped some of my friends and actually some of my family, and they've helped me a few times. Um, but what it is, for those that need groceries and they're hard-pressed to get them, whether lack of budget or they're in a, a severe emergency, these guys, two days a week on Wednesdays and Thursdays, you can go visit them on Ledbury Road. And what it is, you sign your name and you pick out a number. So it's kind of similar to going to the deli department at a normal grocery store. Pick a number, they call your number, and they lead, they give you a tour guide. And there's all this food. And you go to different shelves, and you pick um, like the amount that they let you pick. Like One one example was like on the blue shelf, you can pick three items, and you can pick three items for the red shelf. And it's like that all throughout. They gave you a bunch of things. Bread, meat, 
cans of vegetables, donuts, cheese, um, cold meat to give you pork. It's amazing. Um, and it's, it's almost like going on a carnival ride because you're not alone. They have like volunteers. They're not getting paid to do this. They do this on their own. They guide you through it and they cheer and they try to cheer you up. They, they have a good positive energy. Um, since I've, I've done it myself, so I know firsthand experience what it's like. And, I mean, it is stressful. I know it's uh, people that need this, they're going for a stressful time. And it's really amazing what these guys do because they get no money doing this. They're, they're volunteering their free time to do this. But this is the Zenia Area Fish Food at my Patreon, which is at www.patreon.com slash Ohio is on fire. All my tiers, all the donations and um, proceeds that I get this month of May, I'm going to donate to Xenia Area Fish Food. They'll get that money in June because i got to wait for the money to come up. Um, all the money to be raised throughout this month, and then I can't cash that money out till the first week of the following month. So they will get that. And, and it's really, yeah, they need food. Like all year round, they need food to help give the people that need them. So money, I'll give them the money, and they will use that to purchase food. Um, so hopefully we can raise a lot. That'd be really cool. All the proceeds this month, this month of May only, is going to go to Xenia Area Fish Food. And I believe it's a noble cause, so I really appreciate you help out. And of course, with tiers of $1, $5, $25, $50, and $100, you can help. And of course, with $1, if you donate at least $1 to my Patreon, you get to this show at least a day early exclusive before the Eventide podcast release that's nationwide on Fridays. Um, it could be Thursday afternoon. It could even be Wednesday night. You could get it even sooner than that. But at least one day early, you'll have those. $5. And of course, I have the rest of my tiers. $5, $25, $50, and $100. They have, this, they have their own stipulations for each one so you got to go to patreon.com and to check them out but all proceeds um they will go to xenia area fish food it's going to a good cause this month so with that that ends this episode of ohio's on fire until the next episode which will be episode 191 and of course until then you can support me and find out what i'm up to at www.facebook.com you can check me out at www.facebook.com slash And of course, listen to all the good podcasts at Eventide Podcast Network. You can go to www.speaker.com slash Eventide, E-N-T. And listen to shows like my, my show, Ohio's on Fire. You can listen to Don Smith's The Life. You can listen to The Drive-In with Aaron Lopez. And Mike Talks Funny with Mike Shea. Those are the ones that are here in Dane, Ohio. Plus, we got three other ones. They're outside of the state. They post podcasts on a weekly basis. Support them. So until then, PK Dayton, Chance the 8-year-old boy, Xenia Area Fish Food, that's the way it is.